This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Welcome back to Lawyers and Libations with Sarah and Rebecca. Hello, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. We kind of uh, had some downtime in October and November. There was lots of holiday traveling, lots of kids sports, lots of Halloween, that. Halloween, Thanksgiving, Stottlevember. Oh my, my God, <laughs> my best birthday. month of the year. <laughs> uh, so some people actually celebrate birthday weeks. Um, we've now nicknamed it Stottlevember because it's my entire month. Rebecca loves it. Oh my God, it's so funny. Like November 1st. She'll text and be like, oh, my God, it's my birthday it's month. It's my birthday month. I'm, I love birthdays. I love them. I couldn't love them. I mean, you do embody, like, the perfect birthday person. The joy like, of You birthday. love to be celebrated. I do. Like, some people are like, oh, shucks, don't, you don't have to mention it. And you're like, why, thank you very much. It is thank my birthday. Thank you. Who's doing speeches at my dinner? <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, I did not give a speech at your dinner because Chris's was so good. It was so good. It was so good. Uh, there was really nothing to add after that. I was like, well, just chugged another uh, espresso <laughs> martini. Thank you. Um, they got me, I will say they did get me a birthday cake that was uh, travel Barbie. Or adventure Barbie cake, and it had it had this fucking Barbie on it that had like her little purse, and she was sitting there, and she had like multiple bottles of vodka like around her. Did I show you what the first cake looked like? No. Oh my god! So Katarina and I handled the cake thing, and so she called me the morning of your birthday dinner and goes, "Um, I'm gonna need to send you a picture of the cake." But she's standing <laughs> with the baker, and she sends it to me, and it's. A um, purple-haired space Barbie what? sitting on the cake. Like, and was I, get, I going to a rave? Well, our hunch is that he just didn't know, like, what you looked like or what color you were. So he was like, I'm just going to go with this purple-haired uh, Barbie. <laughs> astronaut Barbie? It looked, she, it looked like an astronaut. She had on, like, like, a full silver dress, stripper heels. I was like, I don't, that actually doesn't look anything like Sarah. And Catherine was like, I know. So we did, like, a last-minute Target like she went to Target and she like called me from the aisle and she was like, which one looks like the most a travel Barbie? Like definitely the cake. I missed the assignment. Uh, yeah, I could. I couldn't love it more. It was absolutely delicious. And it was very, very funny. Like and there have maybe we can post that as one of our reels. The before and after. Things. It like, was it was so amazing. Funny. So Stottlevember passed uh, without any sort of tragedies or um, Nothing major. horrendous things happening. Mm -hmm. I went down to Disney for more fucking soccer. Because uh, that's what we do. Uh, that was awful. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, nothing like Disney over your birthday and Thanksgiving. Fucking kill myself. I went to the beach. Yeah. Did some fishing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did. You got all the Caught fish. some nice I fish. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, well, we are in full swing of the holiday season now, uh, which means that we are out legitimately, um, I don't know, five nights a week. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. I may die. I mean, you could hear it in my voice at this point in time. Yes. So basically, we had uh, the kind of kicking things off. It was a little bit before the holiday parties, but we went to a friend's uh, party. Their firm rented out uh, some of the Cheetah Club, which is a strip club in Atlanta. 
uh, for one of the school's homecomings. And the most amazing thing that I've discovered is I'm sure there's still multiple beautiful strippers out there. I really, I think that. So before everybody jumps on my ass online about saying all strippers are ugly because they're definitely not. They're phenomenal and they're much more flexible than me and they're more athletic. That being said, I do believe that um, a lot of the hot strippers went to OnlyFans. What do you think about that? I think you're right. So also during the month of Stottlevember for another friend's November birthday party, we may have ended up at the Pony and I was definitely shocked by the talent. It wasn't good. I mean, like I used to, when I was single, um, prior to getting married and having kids and all that, or having a child, um, the strip club was like one of my favorite bars to go to uh, because A, there's never a line for the bathroom, the girl's bathroom, there's not. B, there's naked women, so you're not really being hit on by skeezy people all the time. And see, I, at that point in time, I smoked cigarettes, and you could smoke inside strip clubs. So it was my favorite place to go. And there's hot women everywhere, everywhere. I have not seen that talent recently. No hot women. The men were so creepy. And I think gross. due to the yeah. lack of hot strippers, because I also had on, like, a turtleneck dress, like, <laughs> shockingly, very conservatively, <laughs> slash kind of hoochie combo dress, dressing outfit, but I walked through the crowd and some, like, this little fella popped up and he was like, you're the most beautiful woman in Ew, here. God. And I was like, if Always I'm the hottest fellas. girl in a strip club, clearly the talent's not good. That's like, not, yeah, that's not okay. But you've actually had that happen multiple times where we've gone to strip clubs <laughs> together. Like, when we went to Tattletales, that, like... Oh, yeah, that, rip, that <laughs> rapper. <laughs> this guy, so one of the local strip clubs in Atlanta, you can't get in as a female unless you're escorted by a male. I guess they're worried about wives or girlfriends or fiancés and stuff coming in. So we were going to meet some of our uh, male colleagues there one time and we met this guy at the door who was like what did he even say he just like he was like oh yeah there was me and then he hands <laughs> he hands Rebecca wad full of dollar bills <laughs> and he goes hey can I get your number and she goes no I don't think so and he goes okay well let me call you and I'll give you mine and she goes okay and I'm like Rebecca <laughs> what in the fuck is wrong with you like he just got his goal so then tell everybody what happened after that oh yeah the next day we're sitting in a conference and he sent me a dick pic a huge dick pic <laughs> I was like oh my god and Ryan and I share an Apple account I was like oh my god this is gonna go on our family account I'm like delete 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 it's going into the cloud I died so I reported him to Apple uh, like as junk. Right. And so then he texted me. He was like, did you report me to Apple? And I was like, yes. yes. Do not send pictures like that to women unsolicited. Well, plus it was scary. It like went down to his knee, right? It's yeah. terrifying. <laughs> I can imagine Never Ryan's like face. It. Ryan, uh, Rebecca's husband's pretty buttoned up and we absolutely love him. I can imagine him going into the iCloud and seeing it's a huge being. Be like, huge what? Dick. He'd be like, what happened? <laughs> Yeah, so... Funny thing happened on the way to the strip club last night, honey. No big deal. She does usually <laughs> have some fun stories um, from strip clubs. So that kind of... Anyway, on to the holiday season. Yep. Now we're in it. Hopefully we'll not end up at the strip club very often uh, during, you know, the Lord's month. But uh, <laughs> but we do have a tendency to end up at Johnny's. Yep. You were there last night. I was there last night. I was there until the last call. My feet hurt so badly. We've got another party tonight. I don't know how I'm going to wear high heels. Uh, but most importantly, I checked my phone this morning, and I got in over half of my steps between 12 and 2 this morning for the Good day. grief. No wonder we were so hot and skinny in college. 
Well, that plus we were 21 and our metabolism was much better. But I I was hot and skinny in college. I didn't dance. I played pool every day. No, I, I mean, I may have burned 1,000 calories. Yeah, I don't. Um, that how, how many times have you been this week to Johnny's? Three. Three. We're on Friday morning, folks. She went to Johnny's three times. I'll go again tonight and next Friday. Oh, my God. Well, it's I, probably one other day next week. I mean, I might join you at one of them. Usually I'm like, good night. I'm going home. Yeah, it I feel gets, like you're 11. It gets really crowded. It's so hot. crowded last night. It was awful. It was actually less crowded on the dance floor, which is why I just didn't leave the dance floor. And there were less creepy guys on the dance floor. It was like the creepers were totally out in full force last Gross. night. Gross. I can't. I I'm can't, like, I'm not there to dance with other people. I'm there to dance by myself and with my girlfriends. Yeah. Or um, I love it when our friends, our single friends end up meeting people at Johnny's and like making out with them up against the mirror. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm like, picture? Anyway, it's a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're like, we'll take that snapshot. Thank you. Um, so it is a fun place if you're ever in Atlanta, Johnny's Hideaway. Uh, it's the late night spot to be. And, so fun. And great music, all from the 80s. A little bit, some some like late 70s in there. You've got some Dancing Queen and stuff. And they threw, like, they don't play any rap, which I hate, because I do love some good rap. I would go if they played hip hop, I'm <laughs> yeah, just saying. It's definitely more of like 80s, some 90s. Yeah. It was good last aha. night. Mm -hmm. yeah. Lots of Whitney Houston. I love Whitney Houston. And she is fucking phenomenal. Um, so I do want to say, we, you and I had this very funny revelation conversation when we were talking the other day. Um, Rebecca was in bed with her kids, and she was like, oh, I'm watching uh, the show, Henry Danger. And I go, Henry Danger? I was like, God, I fucking love that show. That guy's hot as shit. Okay, so then we had, which could be, if it would be creepy if he were like 15, but in reality, I think he might be 45. I'm not really sure, but he does play like this high school boy. Um, I think he might be 30 in real life, or at least 28. 30. So I ended up, I actually, I had you to Googled Google them. it because I was okay. like, Am I a pedophile? Yeah. You're not. We're not. We're totally not. He's now, particularly now, like these new seasons, he's older. Like, like he's, he is smoking He's getting hot. Botox. He's 30. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And his dance moves, I go. So I looked at Hayden. I go, whew, Henry Tatcher is so hot. And she was like, Mom, that is creepy. It's so not creepy. Really I creepy. do the same thing with Adeline. There's a couple different shows that the male characters that are playing high schoolers, again, like 90210 when everybody was fucking 30 playing like they were 17, right. are hot as shit. Mm -hmm. I would absolutely make out with Henry Danger. John B. on uh, Outer Banks. I've never seen Outer Banks. Oh, my God, it's so good. Hunter and Hayden are both into it, and so every time they turn it on, I'm like, oh, John B. We love that guy. He's um, so cute. What is it, Victorious, that black-haired guy? Oh, Beck. Beck. God damn, he's hot. Yeah, so I think the good news is for all people, uh, or all wives, and I mean husbands too, the women are also of age. They're not actually under 18. But like as your kids get older and their their choices on shows shift, um, you actually can enjoy watching it because they've got really hot people playing those roles. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely improved. It's way better than, like, the Teletubbies phase. Yeah. I uh, much prefer oh, the God. Henry Danger phase. I mean, I did love some, uh, not Peppa, Bluey. I love fucking Bluey. Bluey was oh, yeah. really Bluey good. Was good. I mean, it was good because it was kind of funny, but um, I'd much rather watch a shirtless Henry Danger or back any fucking day of the week. Ooh. Good Ooh. grief. John B. John B. John B. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I forgot to tell you. You know, both are big readers. I just finished Britney Spears's 
memoir. I can't even um, imagine why you would spend time well, <laughs> reading that. I listened. I did not because I knew I was... That makes me feel better. Yeah, I was worried that it was going to be poorly written and I cannot... I hate reading bad grammar. I'd much rather listen to it. And Michelle Williams She's read a brilliant it. actress, obviously. She's lovely. So there has to be some merit. Well, Brittany did the opening, which lasted oh, like tits. one minute. Mm-hmm. And she talks in this really... No, <laughs> I can't. I was like... I was like, thank God she didn't read it. Michelle did a great job. She would. Um, what's crazy is, do you feel like Justin Timberlake was getting all this like hate for like their relationship? But if you actually listen to the whole book, that was such a blip on the radar compared to the crap she went through with her family. I'm like, why are we hating on Justin Timberlake? Why are we not? Hating, Nobody needs hating to hate on, on Justin Timberlake. They're not teenagers. even. I mean, you're they're te- they're 100 teenagers. P.S. Like. It, that happened to a millions and millions of women in high school. I can name like fucking ten of them off the top of my head right, right. now. It that's part of life in a lot of a lot of people's lives, and those things happen. And I was like, can we just leave Justin Timberlake alone? It's not like he fucking gagged and bound her and tied her up and fucking put her in the back of his car and like, oh, like on what is that shit? What's that movie that? What's the show we watch? Uh, Yellowstone. Oh yeah. Where they tricked her. She yeah. got a hysterectomy or something yeah. like that. God, that was fucking yeah. terrible. So that you could be fucking pissed off if he like took her in and got her a hysterectomy. He didn't. People, yeah. can we just move on from that? Poor Justin no. Timberlake it and was his awful. precious wife. Like but they needed to deal with shit like that. So if you listen to the whole thing, the dad and the dad and the mom, like they're all complicit in her in like ruining her entire life. So you can see why she went crazy. And there was, she also explained that the day she shaved her head off was because. They were keep her. Kevin was keeping the kids from her. Like Kevin's a bad guy. Why are we hating on Justin? Let's put up some funny pictures of Kevin and his attempted rapping career, and yeah, like gross. talk about how bad and gross he is. And I agree. Just hashtag leave Justin alone. Yeah, we do need to leave poor Justin alone. Poor little fellas had a rough go. Um, and then, okay, I don't even know what to say though because I followed Britney Spears. It's kind of like watching one of those train wrecks that because my friends were like, "Sir, you got to see what's going on." And I was all for free Britney Spears. Now I'm really like, please put a fucking conservator back on her. Doesn't need to be her dad. Doesn't need to be anything to do with her family. But like somebody that can, or just like maybe a social media person that can like monitor what she does. Stop rolling around fucking topless in the water when there's families around with little kids. And stop like, I don't know, putting sheets over your head and being like, Well, so she speaks to that in the book. Because that's like the whole last chapter. She's like, I know people are judging my social media and my Instagram but she said that's her like reclaiming control of her body. She's like, my body was so controlled and judged for so long and other people had to tell me how I had to look. She was like, so now I love posting all of these naked pictures and videos and dances oh, you mean because she, it makes her feel free. Uh huh. So you mean she was a woman is what you're saying? Because <laughs> like, yeah, our bodies are fucking judged and yeah, looked and constantly. we, and yeah, there are things that you fucking do. And if you have kids, you don't fucking post things like that online. Stop dancing no. like that in front of the goddamn camera every day. It's absurd. I'm sorry. I'm passionate about it because I can't even imagine. And she's like, I don't know why my kids won't talk to me. I'll fucking tell you why your kids don't fucking talk to you. Oh, my God. My kids would die. Adeline would lose her fucking mind if I was sitting there. Can you picture me doing the knife dance? Like some sort of fucking (laughs) like negligee. And Adeline would be like, "Um, Mom, my friends follow you on Instagram. Can you please take that down? I'd be like, I'm just trying to be so free. I'm just expressing my inner love of knives and danger. Yeah, there's thinking of Henry danger while God, I love swooping knives. Yeah, um, he's absolutely amazing. Again, I would much rather talk yeah. about fucking Henry Danger yeah. than Britney Spears. All moms. She's psychopath. Absolute. 
So on a like switching a little bit to some nerdy law stuff. Um, I like nerdy law stuff. So in this kind of in the same vein of just reliving the holiday season and funny things that people have been out doing. Um, there's a recent case that came out of Louisiana. I want to get your thoughts before I tell you how <laughs> the judge ruled in this workers' compensation From Louisiana. Claim. Red wine. So wine, there wine. were red wine, wine, wine. <laughs> There were four gentlemen that after work uh-huh. went to a work dinner at six o'clock p.m. Their work day was. Were from, there managers there? Yep. There it was managers. It was like I think managers and some coworkers. Work party. Work party, kind of. Holiday. Um. And so their workday ran from like 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. or something. And then they go and they end up having this big dinner, lots of drinks. They go to a strip club. And when they are leaving at 2 a.m., the most sober of the four gentlemen says, well, I want to make sure we all get to work on time. So I'll just drive everybody to work. So nobody went home. He was just dropping people off at their jobs. (laughs) This is clearly bad decision making. Yeah. And gets in an accident, Jesus and one Christ. of them dies, Jesus. and his family files a workers' compensation claim on his behalf and says that he was, it was part of, um, he was getting transportation to work from a coworker, so it should be covered by workers' compensation. Was it his manager or just a coworker that was co-worker driving? That was driving him. What if it was like his boss? That would complicate him. things. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, so, what do you think the judge did? Said, I'm really fucking sorry that, that your, your guy died, but no, I'm sorry. That's not workers' comp. You're, nobody goes to work two hours early. You're absolutely right. And so ah, I knew the it. judge I did not judge. rule in the favor of this gentleman's estate. And part of it was because the fiance or baby mama, whenever she testified, said that his workday ran from six to five. And the judge was like, well, going to work at 2 a.m. <laughs> doesn't make sense that's definitely not going to work with like co-workers like are you just trying not to go home probably are you going to go to work and sleep on the couch but was he actually on his way back to the office or did they just lie and say he was on the way back to the office because it was in the vicinity i mean it could definitely have been a credibility issue for sure um so but don't you i would i would feel like it would complicate things if it were like his actual boss like that is responsible for his raises and all of those things that were like, I took you to the strip club after I took you to dinner, paid you for dinner, took you to the strip club, gave you a pile of bills, ones those, and then was like, I, you know what? We should probably go back to my office and fucking keep drinking until the morning hours. What do you and think? And work. And, <laughs> and work. I mean, may, what, did he check an email on the way? Uh, we don't, I don't fucking know. know. Maybe. But that could absolutely change it a little bit a little if bit. he, like, felt required to be there as part of his job duties or what if they were entertaining clients and the clients were still with him. Ooh, that could complicate things. What if he was banging his clients? See? Then I mean, that like, would are- not... <laughs> But are they drinking? They're probably drinking, and that's just going to yank the whole thing out. It's going to get denied on intoxication. But he, his death didn't happen from that. His death happened from getting in a car accident. Because the person was also drinking that was yeah. driving. Yeah, that, per- least- that person's claims denied yeah. for sure. Yeah. But what about the guy who's dead? They did, probably didn't test his blood alcohol level. Probably not. It was all smushed. Yeah. Jesus So, anyway, so note to self. Note to self. That would not... So basically, for those of you that don't do workers' compensation... <laughs> There is, like, if you're traveling to or from work and you're in an auto accident, it's typically not covered by workers' compensation unless your employer provides transportation, you're running an errand for them. Correct. Um, Your boss is making you go work by leaving a strip club. (laughs) 
sending emails, picking up care packages on the way home. Um, yeah, so, there, oh, shoot. There are definitely some ways around it. But, yeah. like, but anyway, it's just as a general rule. So thing. I had a case. Um, so it's also like deviation from employment, right? Um, those aren't going to be compensable. When I was doing defense, I had a case um, where I was representing UPS. And the UPS driver was, and I mean, like, terrible fucking case in the sense that he got into a bad car accident and was then subsequently in a wheelchair. But he had left his route because his girlfriend had called because her car broke down, like, up on a different street away. So he left his typical route, was going to the girlfriend help change her tire or something, and then when he was going back to get back on his route, he got fucking creamed by a car, right? And so, um, sadly, I won that case because uh, it was a deviation of employment, but it was a lot, you know, I mean, like, we had many depositions where we were going through, like, where exactly were because the argument was he was in the vicinity Mm. of exactly where he should be. It's just whether or not he was working at the time of the accident. So... Um, no deviations, no strip clubs. You don't, you're not actually going to fucking go to work at 4 a.m. or 2 a.m., whatever the fuck it is. No one's going to buy that argument. So no. you better come up with some really good ones. I would highly recommend calling us Absolutely. if you need some good ones because you want to say you were with your boss. He was paying <laughs> you. He wanted to bring you to his office to have more cocktails. Yeah. I think that might would be that would more definitely compensable. Help. Well, and to continue with the nerdy law theme, the nice thing about having an auto accident that also is work-related is you can get workers' compensation to pay for all of the treatment. All the treatment. Pay for your lost time from work and then go settle the auto case More and money not in worry about uh, workers' compensation getting their money back. Yeah, so that's in, other, in Georgia. In, in Georgia. Yeah, we're like, not in, in other states. In Georgia, in, that's definitely something that yeah, you can uh, which is get away with. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. So today we will be having a brilliant lawyer on. She's one of my best friends, favorite people. Her name is Natalie Woodward. Um, She focuses on medical malpractice claims. She's had one of the biggest verdicts in Georgia history. She's um, she's just an all-around great fucking person. She's super smart. She's very funny, and she's one of, again, the smartest lawyers that I know. So she will be coming in. I'm not sure what she's bringing, but it's going to be some sort of coffee additive, like either whiskey or Bailey's or something, because it is I don't know, fucking 1030 in the morning here right now. So please be Bailey's and not whiskey, please. please. I'm hoping for I don't whiskey, know if I can do it right now. But yeah, you've got this, <laughs> Rebecca. Um, it's just training you for tonight's party. You're going to be okay. Welcome back to Lawyers and Libations with Sarah and Rebecca. We have Natalie Woodward with us. Yay, Natalie. Welcome, Natalie. Thank you. Yes, we love her. She is with Warshower, Woodward, and Atkins. Yes. Um, she's one of the most brilliant med mal lawyers I know. Well, just general trial lawyers that I know. And we're thrilled to have you today. I know. I have lobbied to be on here. <laughs> Not ashamed to say it. I've been, I've been, well, I mean, you are our number and one then choice I, and for then med I, mal. And then I was late. And then she was late. So it's just a um, little confusing. There was, there was a lot happening last night during scheduling. Time. She thought it was at eleven. To my calendar. She thought it was at eleven. It and I think what happens too is that I I'm being rebellious about my age. So I, instead of like making myself look at my calendar every morning, I go, oh, I'll remember. I know what tomorrow. Oh no, you're fucked. You can't do that. I We're know. too old for that. I know. I know. I look at mine the night before. I know. I I think that I've I'm think this might be this is maybe the second or third time this has happened to me <laughs> in the past couple of weeks. It's hard. I do. I can't tell if I just got dumber after COVID and lost the ability just to remember when everything was happening. 
Now I have to do my schedule on Sunday night. I think night. it's an like, age thing. It's week. like why I'm fucking blind now. No, Very irritated. I got irritated the other day because I um, I had a bunch of briefs come in on this, this <laughs> case that I'd had. So it was the first, it took like a year to get the transcript. So all the briefs finally came in. And it was like reading 200 pages of somebody telling you like, all the things that's bad about your kid or something. Right. Your horrible. kid sucks. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like the ultimate Monday morning quarterback feeling of somebody who wasn't there, who's writing all this stuff, and so and shredding and, you and just shredding and everything. Judge. And um, and so I was like, well, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. And so all of a sudden, I start going and um, looking these cases up that are cited, and I'm reading the cases. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, that case is not on point. It's this not case fucking is... applicable at And then all. I go back and, and I'm looking at the transcript from, you know, a year and a half ago. And all of a sudden, all those cases are in the transcript. I've already learned them, talked about them, had them in the hearing, had them in the transcript, and forgot about them. <laughs> you were like, relearned it a whole second time. <laughs> you're like, look at those facts. I God, I don't feel like that's really on point, though. So I'm going to move on, and you're like... Oh, I actually discussed that case in my brief. Already. Ooh. Already had, like, talked about it in the transcript of the trial, had full-on stand-up arguments about these exact cases, and had forgotten. How weird is it, though, when you go back and read a transcript? Like, sometimes I'm like, why the hell did I ask that, and why in that order? It's, well, and also it's when you're in it, it's like the old school scene uh, with, uh, what's his name, where he's doing the debate thing, and he, mm -hmm. like, turns in and he's like, oh, 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 and he's like, oh. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. I'm back. That's kind of how you feel after trial. Uh, yes. I And the other thing that's funny is that I, in, in the moment when I'm using all my colloquialisms or Natalie-isms, whatever they are, and I start calling people dude and all these things in open court on the transcript, <laughs> and then in the moment I'm just going with it, so I'm like just free. And then afterwards when I go back and I'm like, golly, like Shouldn't have said you're a grown, educated person. You're a grown you know, ass woman. I bet the jury likes it though, because then you're not like this did. snobby, overeducated exactly. person. You're like on their level. Clearly, That's for sure. yeah, clearly That's for they sure. did. So um, I was gonna just kind of lie and bust your balls a little bit and say that you brought us Jim Beam, uh, but since you outed yourself <laughs> for being late, uh, yeah, we actually had Tyler uh, here help by searching the the Braves office, the 680, the fan office, to find us an enormous bottle of Jim Beam, which we're going to add to our coffee because we couldn't actually have a, a morning show without some fucking Jim well, Beam and yes. coffee. So yes. I'm going to go ahead and make, oh, that was a uh, lot. I mean, it's I just gagged, but I'm definitely going to give it a whirl. We're going to give it a whirl. I thought it had a pour top. It doesn't. Oh, give God. that over, Rebecca. Nice try <laughs> pretending that it already had stuff in it. Yeah, it I had so much. I'll make it. I had plans for night. like Bailey's and Kahlua and yeah, that coffee been and some like whipped cream and I uh, whipped cream. Thanks, late girl. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, Jim Beam it is, but so, couldn't be happier. Thank you, Tyler. Next oh, week y'all um, get a delivery of whipped cream, whipped cream and Bailey's and Kahlua. Yeah, delicious. Cheers. Gonna, Thanks for I'm coming. I'm gonna send it at like 7 a.m. too. Yes. All right. Thank cheers, you guys. ladies. Cheers. Cool. Cheers. 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 We'll get me right on that fucking. Oh. What? Did I spill it? Mm -mm. Oh, mm -mm. Are you sure? Oh, yeah, splashy splash. Oh, okay. I'm like, out. Jesus. Um, so this will help me get right on my airplane to Sarasota, Florida <laughs> this afternoon. Oh, um, that went down better than I thought it early? would. See, it's fucking delicious. Mm. Um, where are we going? Mm. Oh. Did y'all decide to go early? No, the flight leaves at 2. We've okay. got a MARTA there. The oh, fucking perfect. Damn, parking at the Atlanta airport. Oh, it's Jesus. Off to the Christ. Spelling bee. Uh, 
It was in January. She okay, moved it. Okay. So right. she pulled a U. <laughs> I, I knew win. I liked that kid. I win. She's fucking amazing. Um, so how did you know? I just want to start blasting you with questions. How mm-hmm. did you know and when did you know you wanted to be a lawyer? Spell it. Um, I was in journalism school, so I'd always been interested in um, you know, Jesus. law shows and movies and stuff that had I loved movies growing up and I gravitated to movies about medicine yeah. and um and the law. And then, like, FBI, I loved Silence of the Lambs. And um, so, but I thought I wanted to be a journalist. So when I went to college, well, originally I thought I wanted to be a doctor. And then I took one uh, calculus class and got um, <laughs> the reality shock. I was going to be a doctor, too. Organic chemistry. Oh, yeah. yeah. The chemistry killed me. That's so why I'm not a doctor. calculus class is what made me go, oh, yeah, that's not going to happen. And so the next thing I'd always done and loved was writing. And so I applied to journalism school. And at the time, Georgia, which I think it's still true, it had the top three journalism schools in the country. Closely, uh, or just led by UNC, That's was right. number one. Yeah, yep. so it's like where Rebecca, I went. Rebecca yep. went to the journalism school. school. Yeah, so Have you like heard her UNC sexy voice? Hello. Um, <laughs> very, very deep today. Very sexy. There's another one. I forget who was, t- who was number two. But so the journalism school, you actually, have, you can't just declare your major. You actually have to apply and submit all these writing samples. And I remember when that happened. We had to I do a grammar test. Yeah. yeah, all these kinds of things. And it was things. like, and so a lot of people didn't get in. Yeah, tons yeah. of people. You get a whole letter. <laughs> Red wine, white wine. decide whether you want to be, at the time, it, there was like a broadcasting component and then a newspaper's component. And, um, and so I had gone the newspaper's route, but there was a lot of switchover. And so I actually was about to take a job with, in New York because MSNBC and CNBC and all the financial shows or, you know, stations were just getting started. and That would have been boring as fuck. Um, I was going to go do financial stuff for these shows because there was not a lot of women that wanted to talk about financial stuff and I loved financial stuff. And at the last minute, the I was S&P like... was up today by what? 32 points. Let me... Um, <laughs> Let me, let me apply to law school. Because during the summers, I had worked at the DA's offices, like, as a as a clerk at the DA's office, like, in the file room. And uh, I asked my journalism professor to do a recommendation, and he didn't want to do one for me. And he wrote in the recommendation letter <laughs> to law school that he, he hoped that they didn't let me in because he wanted me to go be a journalist. <laughs> So did I, you take off time in between, or did no, you want to go straight, straight to law school? Through. So I ended up getting two undergrad degrees, one in journalism, one in political science, in five years, mm-hmm. and then did the three years of law school. So I was in Athens for eight Man, years straight. That is so fun. I found that law school was just as much fun as undergrad. I had way more fun in undergrad. Because <laughs> I actually had... I, you guys I, went to fun fucking law schools. We I went to we Case Western Reserve in Cleveland, yeah. Ohio. There yeah. was nothing fun yeah, about law Yeah, we had SEC football there. games that are no, our, uh, I was schools. in hell. It was I fucking terrible. loved Athens, but I was serious about law school, and I had not been serious about undergrad mm-hmm. nearly as much as I was. Right. And law school was harder. So hard. <laughs> it was harder. Uh, I'd never studied uh, in my yeah, life before. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like, oh, wait, I actually have to... I have to read. I remember one of my first classes in law school, whenever they call on you and they make you stand up, right? And, you know, you're fucking petrified and you're like, I'm going to throw up in front of 250 people in my section. (laughs) And they go, excuse me, Sarah? And I'm like, oh, fuck me. Okay, what? And I like stood up. And they're like, could you discuss da-da-da-da-da-da? And I go, 
um, can I pass? <laughs> because I hadn't read the assignment because I made a fucking 3-0 at Carolina without reading any assignments. Oh. So I'm sure it was going to be fine. And she goes, actually, no, you can't pass. And I was like, well, this is going to be fun. <laughs> and buckle in, bitches. They're <laughs> like, somebody slide me yeah, some I notes. I was like, can anybody <clears throat> give me a flashcard or a crib sheet or anything right now? Because shit's going to go bad. I was like, I mean, I can t- talk about hypotheticals all day, but I have no idea what the fucking reading required because no. I didn't read it. That's Socratic method. It was bad. Brutal. And it was definitely good, like, teaching for mm-hmm. coming out. But, I mean, I was terrified. Well, no, but, and then your second year, well, it was the end of my first year that I learned that how to study. Yeah. And that you have to study. Yeah. And you have to read 400 pages a night. Mm-hmm. And you're fucked if you don't. And they will call on you and all the things. And so it was like, the I think the first year of law school, I pulled like a 2-5, two 2-7. Two yeah, I I'm, if well. even I did terrible. No, it was awful. Yeah, was second year, I didn't get anything. Second and third never got below like a three three after that. Yeah, but I like, did way better second and third year. But the first oof. year was a lot of oh yeah, cold water. I call. I oh. cried. I was like, I've never gotten a C in my life. No. Are I, you? I came nuts? in so cocky, and yeah, same thing. I was like, knocked you right God, on your I ass. Had lots curve. of C's. Yeah, but, I, but I also loved it. So I very quickly realized that. Um, I, I stopped caring as much about my grades in the sense of the competition of it. Mm-hmm. And I got really invested in actually trying to figure out what it was really about. Right. Different, what the concepts were. Like, I wanted to understand the concepts more than I wanted necessarily to, to, to be the gunner. To get the book for the class. Yeah. I was, um, you know, so when I would... And so I focused on things that I was really interested in, but then I and then I made a point to take things that I was not interested in at all because I was afraid of the bar exam. I was so afraid of the bar <laughs> exam, so I took like four. The tax was a four-hour class, a four-hour semester class, and I took tax like my third year of Why? law school because I was afraid of the bar exam. Yeah, and I it was on bar was be for on the bar. South was terrible. Yeah. I hated my. Tax law class. And I had not taken corporations. You know, y'all could just so take Barbary, right? We like, did. I did like that some too. I did that too. But I just four hours of tax. It was, it was a four-hour class. Masochist. No was, fucking thank you. It was you. crazy. But mm-hmm. I learned a lot about taxes. Well, and how'd you get into med mal? Tell me about that. So because I wanted to be a doctor and you know um, couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't. Right? I wanted to be a doctor and was fully so unable to I do that. I didn't know exactly what area of law I wanted to practice. I did third year practice act as a prosecutor at the Gwinnett DA's office, and I thought for a long time I'd go do that, and then at the last minute decided I, it's just it's sad every day to me to be a prosecutor, yeah, like, even when you win. And so I was like, that I don't know that I can emotionally sustain that for an entire 50-year career. Yeah, that'd be so hard. um, So I got a job at a wonderful firm in Rome, Georgia, Brunson, Askew, and Barry, that was like a general civil litigation firm. And they do a little bit of everything. So they have trust and estates lawyer and, you know, corporate work and education work and mid-mail work. And and they had just gotten uh, designated as the lead liaison counsel in the tri-state crematory case, which was a massive case Mm -hmm. in federal court up there. And I Isn't was in that where they had like they were just disposing of the yes. bodies like out back, like in a yes. cooler and like giving them what were they giving them as ashes? They were giving them like gravel. And, and what was ha- also all the funeral oh, God, homes. God, I didn't sued. live here then. Yeah, no, it was so all bad. All the funeral yeah. homes got sued because the, <clears throat> the independent contractor crematorium that they were using. Mm-hmm was the one who was doing this. So the funeral homes didn't, they know, didn't it, know but they all and they had the insurance, right? So they all got sued. So it was a multi, multi, multi million oh. dollar case. The plaintiff's lawyer on it was a lady named um 
Liz Cabraser, who handled the plaintiff's case for the Exxon Valdez oil spill, to give you a comparable level of how big of a class action it was. It was bad. And so I worked on that um, for about two and a half, three years, and I wanted to see that case through, but I knew I didn't want to live in Rome for the rest of my life. And um, But they had let me do so much in such a short period of time because they were being able to bill at rates that they had probably never billed at before because it was such a big case and a mm-hmm. big deal and they had gotten designated lead that firm were so you they, living in rome or are you so driving I was living up in there? cartersville and driving to rome which Ugh. is like 30 minutes away so i got to do everything i was working on magic like i was trying like my first little you know state farm georgia farm bureau car wreck case defense and um I just didn't want to take a step back, but I wanted to come to Atlanta. And a friend of mine told me, well, if you want to uh, not take a step back, you should go do medical malpractice work because defense work because they try cases because the doctors have to give consent to settle and the doctors are are not paying the, the defense lawyer, right? They've paid for the insurance. The insurance is paying the defense lawyer. And the doctor's like, well, if I settle, my rates are going to go up. And if I lose, my rates are go up, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not vulnerable, so I might as well go take a shot. Mm-hmm. So the medical malpractice cases tend to get have more trials than normal right. civil cases right? because of that fact. And um, so went to work at a med-mal defense firm and loved it and did that for about three years and then switched teams. Went and planned, started my firm with my best friend, Corey Stern, I was 31 and he was 30 and we just Baby decided lawyers. one day that let's know, do it let's do it we decided we thought that we were young enough that if we went bankrupt it'd be okay <laughs> that's what we, that was literally what we said to not too many other. assets yet we're good yeah we're like, good. what's the worst that could happen like we gotta do it for a year or two and we were broke your credit record in like seven years it's not big that's deal. what we were thinking <laughs> so and then um last year i think he settled one of the biggest cases in the history of the country it was a uh, $600 million plus um, with the Flint water Royce, case. Yeah. His lead plaintiff's lawyer on the... One of Good the- for him. That's I awesome. love... You were proud, weren't you? That's so proud. That's so yes. Proud. Well, speaking of uh, some of the biggest cases in the country, so you actually got the largest med mal verdict in Georgia. Georgia. The Georgia. whole state. The whole state. You tried it. Yes. You won it. Yes. It's that case you just got the 50 fucking briefs filed yes. on you last week that made you drink a lot, right, for the appeals. Ooh, I was so, so angry. Yeah. I, fuck, I hate that. I don't even read the goddamn no, the appeal briefs anymore. I never read appeal I'm briefs. like, I'm they not fucking my reading this because yeah. it hurts mm-hmm. my feelings. It, it's it hurts like, my heart. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it was a, um, especially when it's a case you love and clients you love and something yeah. that's been, you know, I started this in... Uh, it's now five plus years mm-hmm. that I've been working on this. So case. tell me about five the case. case. So the case is, involves a um, a young man who was a uh, getting treatment at a drug treatment and mental health facility, a private drug treatment mental health facility, and he was there for about three weeks. He had um, he was bipolar and had been bipolar for several years and had substance abuse issues as well. Um, he was clean the whole time he was there, but in this particular facility there was a little bit of a disconnect between the mental health treatment and the substance abuse aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So to make a very long story short, they um, they took him off of his bipolar meds. Because like they antipsychotic? Wanted, right. Mm-hmm. So his lithium and his Seroquel because they wanted him to be like, quote, unquote, for real sober. 
Um, and P.S. You can't do that to uh, yeah. someone. Just yeah. throwing that, that out there. Help. And like, um, and then when he started to decompensate and was not acting right around other folks, they just kicked him out like cold. And um, and then he was naked in the fetal position on the interstate. You know, within 48 hours, and was hit by several cars and killed. <coughs> and his autopsy, he had no drugs or alcohol or anything in his system. So. Um, so it was just a, it was a weird case because it did involve drug treatment centers and mental health issues, and I think those have historically not been given a lot of value assigned to them. Right. Um, but I think culturally we're more aware of mental health issues and um, the science behind addiction now, and we understand it better, and I think that maybe the insurance companies and the folks who evaluate these cases hadn't caught up with that Mm -hmm. cultural reality Mm -hmm. so they were valuing it like somebody who just wasn't nobody would think very much was worth very much Mm -hmm. and i think they were wrong and then everybody else evaluated it like this could be my son or daughter with you know that you all unilaterally took off the meds and kicked out so did they reach out to like family members and stuff and be like hey you might want to come. No, they they, they called the family that morning, but they the family lived in North Carolina, and they asked, "Will you just wait and let us come get him? We just hold him, mm-hmm. like just let us drive down there." And of they said, "No, no, this is why he doesn't get better because you keep coming and enabling him. You need to let him deal with the consequences of his actions, and you need to listen to the professionals and we're the professionals and let us do our job. This is what he needs." And so they sent him to like. Um, like would be a halfway house. It's just a residence with you know, nobody watching guys. out. No, no. nothing. Mm-mm. Yeah, <clears throat> and um, he left there the next morning, and no one ever saw him again until he was in the road. So um, it was. I didn't want to put the family through another the case, the trial. I really didn't. We weren't looking to try the case in terms of yeah, because that's fucking heartbreaking. Want, heartbreaking yeah. to put the family through it, but they made they didn't really give us any option. Yeah. So, so how many days was that trial? It was almost three weeks. Three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took you a year to get the transcript. Jesus Christ, yeah. that's a long time. Yeah, that I'm was. Back. Sorry, Sorry. Uh, Rebecca. Um, that's just her swine flu acting up. It's fine. I mean, it's not a big deal. My sister-in-law ended up having pneumonia because she had the same. I feel like I've, we've all just been sick for like a month. Everybody has. I hope I don't have pneumonia. I don't I feel like you're on the mend. You're just in that like last respiratory it's like it's like so tickly in there. Yeah, no. So I you just feel it need to up, so I'm, I didn't know right. if I should quit talking or keep talking. <clears throat> no, keep talking. I'm just going to give her a shot of Jim Beam. Oh, she's up again. <laughs> yeah, she's I'm like and she's up. We don't care. You're fine. Um do you want just some straight Jim Beam? Yeah. It'll help. I'll give her that. I'm like, that'll work. Burn that shit right out of there. <laughs> um, so that, I remember reading about that. This was before you and I really knew each other and were really good friends. Um, I mean, I knew of you and had met you, but I, we weren't really good friends then. And I remember reading about that trial and being like, Jesus Christ, yeah. people. Yeah. Like, you just, you just turn them out. years out of my life, probably. I mean, well, yeah. It was, a, I think that the exhaustion of the emotional, and we, we probably, as lawyers, don't always do a good job talking about this because we're, we're all, you know, we're representing our client and we're focused on how hard it is for them, for right. sure. But there is a component to the emotional, mental, physical exhaustion of 
trial work and what it really takes and the toll it takes on people and lawyers and their families and their you know, co-workers and and um you know you think you know yeah you know you, you can imagine it but until you've really you know tried oh, to exhausting. find the uh, yeah. energy for a day in and day out and day in and day out um and i mean i remember at the end of the three weeks when when we were done and i was home it's probably the first night i i took a picture of my feet i got in the bathroom my feet were so messed up that had blisters and they were you know swollen swollen because i'd been on my feet and in heels and you know it'd been covid so we we had i hadn't been walking around in heels very much right so all of a sudden i'd been on heels for three weeks straight now i'd gone through two pairs of shoes walking you know into the courthouse and out of the courthouse and all the things you do and it just they looked like carnage and you know i guess it's first world problems probably but no it's it's um, not i don't there was a component of that that i was like oh man it's it takes a lot somebody said to me once when i was really young an an older lawyer told me that charles was a young man's game and i didn't know what he meant at the time i'm like what do you mean we don't know anything about what we're doing and now though i know because it physically, is uh, physically it's exhausting. It is exhausting yeah now when you're in trial do you stay at your mom so do you stay at home or I've, I've talked to several women that are like i just go get a hotel room and i, I just check out i do i get a hotel room do you? i try to be i have learned now that um to try to make it as simple as possible for everybody involved you know it's easier to uh, be five minutes from the courthouse mm-hmm. and do all those things and have it you know we we do we make a point to do that and then you literally say smart. i'll see you in three weeks yeah because then you're not you making so lunches and like worrying no, about appointments worry about, you can just check yeah, out carpool that's so smart. i've had you know probably four trials since that trial mm-hmm. and thankfully they've all been like a week you know we're week and a half um but and he knows it's funny because my little boy came to a trial for the first time. I had a trial like a, like a year ago. I guess it was October because that trial was August of 2022. I had another trial in October of 2022 that was, you know, like a, an estate case. It wasn't nearly as, you know, um, graphic details and kind of stuff. And so I, uh, we brought Jonas to court one day just to mm-hmm. like see for him to be able to put a vision yeah. with what I'm doing and where I am when I'm gone for a few days and it was super sweet oh, yeah, I bet. he was bored after like 10 and a half minutes he was I mean like, it is boring like, if you're not yeah. a lawyer court yeah. is so boring he's like I know they say no phones in the courtroom but can I play video games on my Nintendo Switch because this sucks yeah and it was hilarious because at some point I was up questioning a witness and I turned around and I looked back and he was and he waved and, um, and it was sweet and then like a couple minutes later I turned back and he was doing this signal like with his thumb like I'm gonna <laughs> Leaving mom. See ya. This was fun, but I'm. Yeah, he was trying I to want... leave without, without, he didn't want to wait until I was done. Yeah. Go, okay, bye. okay, see you later. That's so sweet. <laughs> no, but I do, I definitely think it is a, um, a younger attorney's game. I mean, you can, uh, obviously, it's the more seasoned lawyers that are going to handle things like yeah. that. But like, I, when I first came out of law school, uh, I went up against Justin Miller all the time because yeah. he was a parent's lawyer at yeah. the Fulton County Juvenile Court, and I was a special assistant attorney general. So I was like, tr- I was in court all day, like eight hours a day representing child deprivation or prosecuting child deprivation cases for defects. And like, I couldn't do that if I would have already had kids mm-hmm. because the things that I saw and heard and all of the things, I was like, there's no way I could do this. I mean, like, my first probable cause hearing was a 
shaken baby, dead, oh, dead baby yeah. case. Yeah. Like, and I was like 26 years old, right? So, eh. Like, I'm like, God, so. that's fucking terrible. But like, as an actual mother now, I'd be like, okay, well, if they don't get you here, I'm going to get you in the fucking parking lot. Right. Right? I mean, like, the emotional stuff is so, it's it's much different when you are a parent. Yeah, I think I did a lot of domestic work um, when I was, you know, early, late 20s, early 30s to pay for my plaintiff's cases. So that was sort of how we would pay for the case, you know, to be able to have right. experts and whatever. And... Um, and I, I had a hard time even then because I wanted to just, like, get every case settled as quickly and, and as I could. Yeah. Because I didn't want to put the family through. Right. The kids through. Right. I knew what was happening behind the scenes, like what we were seeing. Right. And it it really, um, I think I would be even worse at it now. Because I at least would have listened to these people, like, tell me about, you know, well, he did this or he said this or she did this or she said this. Now I'd be like... You are causing permanent damage to your children. Right. You know? Exactly. And they are going to be in fucking therapy mm -hmm. when they're 45 years old. I don't know anything about the, that. I'm just saying. Now I've seen what happens when they're in their 20s, you know, and how this all can affect them. And so in I. 30s. Uh, yeah. I was just 40s. Like, oh, God. Yeah. It's your fault. <laughs> you're talking about domestic cases. I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I hated no domestic law. I did it for six months and was like, I'm fucking out. I'd be Thanks. so depressed if I did that. Yeah, no, it was not. It was not good. Um, so, aren't those cute? Yeah, so little great. cherry Altoids. Brian Bucklew gave this to me because I told him I really wanted I didn't even some. know they made cherry Altoids. I didn't either. He buys them on Amazon. Like they're delicious. I know. Anyway, so that should help. I'm like, I've got Spot a little. Buy. Yeah, yes, Natalie, I normally don't cough hysterically through an entire podcast. She doesn't, but um, that should help. Good. Maybe take a shot of Jim Beam. to me in a last week. Really? I, mean, I was so mad. I wore, It was oh. via Zoom, and so I looked at the lady. I was like. What'd you gargle with, Rebecca? <laughs> I just so gargled Jim Beam out there. That's my girl. It did help See, a little I told bit. you it would help. Well done, Tyler. Um, like a college football Saturday. So <laughs> you are, I mean, which, so Rebecca was obviously asking some questions about your trial stuff yes. with being a mom. Yes. How do you um, just like, because we talk about this all the time on the podcast. How, how are you balancing being a mom with being a trial lawyer? So you are the parliamentarian of Georgia Trial Lawyers Association. I am. Uh, besides handling Robert's rules of law and fucking stupid shit like that, what do you do? As a parliamentarian? Mm hmm Well, so... You have a lot of stuff. You're very busy. So with the mom stuff, how yeah. do you how do you balance it? Well, let me answer the first question first. Mm -hmm. So Georgia Trial Lawyers Association is the organization that its really sole goal is to preserve and protect the right to a trial by jury. Correct. And... Um, our singular focus is to try to, which is the Seventh Amendment, um, to try to prevent the deterioration of the opportunities that, you know, regular citizens get to decide um, how to resolve disputes. I, I feel very strongly that that's really the cornerstone for um, freedom and and checks and balances being that we have some equality that anybody can, no matter how rich you are, poor you are, how many, you know, um, how much power you have, that if you are subject to 12 random citizens um, evaluating something you've done, that that gives us a, um, distinguishes us from the rest of the world, quite frankly. Um, and 
the that is something that is now more than ever under assault because if you can minimize the risk that juries can do to a company or to a person and you can control that risk and you know have tort reform and know that your worst day ever is only going to be you know $350,000 then you really don't have any fear to do anything you can make corporate structure or you know profits be your sole goal so um but parliamentarian every year the president of gtla chooses the parliamentarian and the parliamentarian then will move up so will be guaranteed to be the president in five years mm-hmm. so it's a cycle <clears throat> you go from parliamentarian to secretary treasurer president-elect and president and so madeline is the president this year chose me to be parliamentarian and so now i'm officially a, a voting member for purposes of our bylaws and those kinds of things so it's um we meet every week and in addition <laughs> we meet monthly we have uh, cle's we do a lot of work at the capitol trying to stave off legislation that would attempt to um, harm plaintiffs or people or injured folks in some way um but i've been involved in that organization probably for 14 15 years at this point now and uh yeah so i love it and then yeah i um robert's rules of order yeah robert's rules of order i don't really know very tell much anybody that robert's you need to like well, i feel like you should get up to speed was, on that if I you're am, the parliamentarian I used to keep a I set i'm just out. saying you need to actually <clears throat> yeah this oh. is your jobby job I now am. well yeah we uh we do a pretty good job of the order following there although there was a we had a meeting yesterday and so you have to do you know Make a motion. Second, second motion. it. Yep. Who seconded it? it? Mm-hmm. Say aye. Yep. So I'm the president of the workers' comp claimants' yeah. lawyers' bar. So of that section, uh, fortunately, there's other people that are smarter than me about Robert's rules of words. I don't have fucking time for that shit. I'll be like, does anybody agree with what I say? Raise your hand. Yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> oh Cheers. gosh. It makes the old the old oh, guard the, gets the so the mad when that happens. So they're mad. like, whoa, I'll be like, whoa, whoa. Not I'll be like right I'm order. pretty sure it passed just by <laughs> looking around by hand raised. Okay. Thanks. And they're like, Sarah. And I'm like, whatever. Fine. Just do your thing. So Anyone do going to second me? <laughs> <laughs> but so with all of those, balance. yes. I how do you balance it? I have a lot of help. I have mm-hmm. uh, I have a wonderful mom. I have uh, another uh, uh, Jonas's other mom, mm-hmm. and so we are we get along beautifully. You yeah. co-parent fantastically. Co-parent. Gotta love that. Lots of you know friends and family and people that help in every way possible. Um, so tons of help. That's amazing. It takes a village. It takes a big village. It, for sure. It always um, takes a village. So you also, uh, one thing that you did that I, I came out to see, which was so fucking funny, uh, is you did the stand-up comedian class. And so we went with one of our best girlfriends, Callie. Uh, it was some of the, it, okay, first off, Callie goes, hey, Natalie's doing the stand-up comedy act. Do you want to go see her? Because it's her grad, class graduation. I go, fuck yeah, I'll go support Natalie. Thinking like, yeah, we got Natalie's back. Let's go do this. We'll support her. Half of the trial lawyers in fucking Georgia were there, okay? By the way, it wasn't just like me and Callie at the thing. I was like, yeah, I will support our friend. Let's go do it. It's probably just us. Nope. Half of the trial lawyers in Atlanta proper were there supporting. I mean, I shit they were you come not. See that train wreck. You yeah. had like eight fucking tables. Now there were twenty other people like performing or ten other people, but like her group took up 
half of the thing. I so love I'm that. like, and you looked, whenever I saw you at the beginning, you looked very nervous, which is out of character for you. Yes. It, it is. It's not, that's not really in your thing. And you fucking crushed it. Oh, I mean, we were dying laughing. It was, uh, it was the hardest thing I've, I think I've ever done as far as like that kind of performance. Were you in plays or anything like that? Mm-hmm. No. no okay. I, mean, I, I mean, I did a few like in middle school and stuff, whatever the mandatory, but I was not a performer on in any level prior to becoming a lawyer. Because yeah. most lawyers have like yeah. a performance background. No, I had or at least the itch. I can't sing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't sing. I don't think I'm You great. cannot you dance? dance. No, Jesus Christ. She cannot what? dance. Uh-huh. She dances I like Elaine from Seinfeld. Yep. Oh, my God. I sh- and like, I mean, with I the can thumb teach you some and moves. the kick I'm out. Really, no, I disagree it's unbelievable. with her about this so much. I think I am fabulous. I, I might have a video of it. It's I mean, fucking, it's, it's the most entertaining thing you've ever watched. I if you like train wrecks. <laughs> in fact, I do. So, so I, um, we should go to Johnny's next yeah. week, and then Rebecca, you'll be able to yeah. see. Rebecca actually is the best dancer I've ever seen in my life. It's shocking. She's Thank very, you. very good. I do love to dance. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. But you, Not choreographed. I just like feel the music. No, I, I love That's it. what she mm-hmm. does, too. It's not lack of love. That's not the issue. It was was the whitest dance moves I've ever seen. But here's the thing. Her other qualities so overshadow her her Elaine from Seinfeld dance moves. It works. Yeah, it's phenomenal. So, Natalie, do you think you'll do stand-up again? I do. I do. I think it was... uh, So the writing was interesting, but what I loved about it in in taking the class was that every week when you would come in, it would be like four hours on a Tuesday night. You would have to have new material that you'd get up and you'd do a minute, then you'd do a minute and a half, then you'd do two minutes, and so it'd be all this new material. And so the week leading up to it, you would look for things that were funny, look for things that that you could that you could write something about that would be funny. So you're constantly looking for the funny in the world. Yeah. And that's not what we normally walk around no. doing. No. Um, and We're so always looking at the tragedy. Yeah. So that's kind of refreshing so and lovely. something really sweet about, and I thought, you know, about making a point to look for the things that, are, that you can laugh about was really, I liked that. Like Yevgeny getting on a plane that Putin. Like I was talking like that one was my favorite. <laughs> like shit like that. 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 <laughs> but I was thinking the other day um, and about something, and I was like, oh, I gotta write this down because I was. But yes, I will do stand up again, but I'm working on some new material. And one of the things I was working on was, um, you know, as as Ozimbic and Wagovi and all these things mm-hmm. are coming out and getting approved with weight loss. I was like, man, what is that gonna be like if, if, if. Weight is no longer an issue in America. Like, there's like a divorce rate's gonna go crazy, right? Because you got all you're these not people, wrong. You got all these people who are like these sweet little families and stuff that, you know, are singing in the choir and and because they got you know they might be together because they love each other. They might be together because they are like, hey, I'm you know got an extra 40, 50 pounds and maybe I can't get <laughs> anybody else. And then if you eliminate that as an issue, and then God help us if they fix balding. Because right. then, if everybody has got is skinny with hair, we—I don't know. I mean, society may break down. People will know there are <laughs> options out there for sure. Yeah, we're gonna find out anyway. All You're of a sudden, they're wrong, gonna be like, "Here's the thing: it's still expensive as shit." Well, it's they fucking like eight hundred you know, to eleven hundred dollars a fucking month. It's so expensive. Fucking bitches. So we're like standing around <laughs> the anti-Ozempic. Her husband actually t- tell the story. We were at a dinner party recently. Jesus Christ. We had been overserved, and Ryan's a pretty dry but funny guy. 
He goes, yeah, my wife's the anti-Ozempic. She won't take it. I was like, what? Like, she goes, so she walks into the house. Ryan's telling me this story at dinner the other night. He goes, so she walks into our bedroom and is like, to like, oh, last Friday. To like into like her bra and underwear. I was like, oh, am I the anti-Ozempic? <laughs> I was like, do you want me to be fat or skinnier? Fat, fat or skinnier? Fat, skinny. Fat, skinny. And he's like, fuck. God damn it, I shouldn't have said like, that. I didn't mean it that way for the love of God. But we've like, talked about on. this repeatedly. It's like... I mean, we kind of, well, Rebecca works out more than anybody on the fucking entire planet. She gets up at 5 a.m., works out every yeah. fucking day and goes to boxing classes. I mean, like, she's, like, still drunk from the night before if we're on, like, a seminar party or something. I mean, not that she's a big booze hound, but <laughs> if we're out, like, every once in a while, occasionally, and she, like, we get in at, like, 2 or 3 a.m., we're, like, in Miami or Vegas or something mm-hmm. from a conference, and she's up at 5 a.m., like, running on the strip. You've never seen fucking... Six. Okay, whatever. I'm actually, as she's putting on her running shoes, I'm going into the toilet to hold my hair back to vomit, (laughs) right? And then I get back in bed for the next eight hours because I'm like, thanks, this was fun. I'm going to need a Zofran and a Klonopin. But so we are very much like... I, we're concerned a little bit about our friends that are on Ozempic who have not had kids yet, mm, yeah. right? Because it's like, A, if you want to breastfeed, do you know how it's going to affect the baby? No. Probably not a good fucking idea. I don't think it's really should be approved for that. But also, like, motherhood carrying a baby wrecks your fucking body. Ruins. So, like, it's y'all like the, were uh, already skinny yo, before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you look like Kate Moss with a heroin problem fucking in the Carl Lagerfeld days. Uh, and now, and then you're going to ha- get married and have a fucking baby? Good fucking luck. I, I think uh, I have less concern uh, about this drug than I do some other drugs. And the reason why is because I think... They've been around for a lot longer. They're not necessarily new drugs per se, because they've been used for to treat diabetes for a long time. So there's right. had a lot of studies done on them. They've just now approved them for basically an alternative use. But the substance of the the chemicals, it's not like it's a quote unquote new drug. I understood the concern about the COVID vaccine more. Because it was so brand new. Right. And it hadn't had a lot of stuff. You know, I understood the rationale. Yeah. Um, I didn't agree with it, and I got vaccine as fast as I could. But Same Z's. Well, yeah, yeah. But I un- at least could understand the argument. Yeah. Um, the What gives me less pause is that because these are not necessarily new meds, they're just being finally approved in a new way. Right. I mean, there's a lot of folks who, I mean, look, the, our healthcare industry thrives on us being unhealthy. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I don't believe the healthcare industry is on board with weight loss because that would eliminate a huge comorbidity and a huge reason. 100%. Why yeah. You know, so I, I think that <laughs> one of the reasons why it's taken us as long to get approval for some of these things is because I don't think the healthcare industry really wants us to be healthy. Right. Well, um, they definitely don't. Quick thought, because I think we're probably going to wrap up pretty soon. But just think about all of us being former wannabe doctors, and now we're all lawyers. Do you think doctors ever sit around and they're like, you know, I really wanted to be a lawyer, but I hated reading. Or I hated English, and so now I'm a doctor? Like, I, know that I don't know that that some. happens in the reverse. I'm going to have to ask some of our doctor friends if that's what they think about. Really? Experts I've had. For or what sure. if they're like, we just really don't like helping people? <laughs> they're like, dude, seriously, you can't be a fucking doctor. Some of the experts that uh, I actually see more, uh, more than probably any other profession, doctors who are like, uh, you know, if I'd have known now what I'd known then, I would have gone a different route. 
Yeah. Because I think healthcare industry is a hard industry for doctors. Oh, it's hard as shit. It keeps changing so much. It's changing, and I do think that that you know the ideas about what it was to be a doctor when we were young that is not necessarily the reality of what their life is like now. Right. And I think that's hard. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how much artificial intelligence changes things. Um, you know how how a lot of that. That scares the shit out of me. Yeah. All the like, way across the board. Are there going to be radiologists really reading films anymore, or is it going to be all AI yeah. for the most part? And how much of the industry is going to really um, be changed dramatically because of right. artificial intelligence? So, um, I have one final question for you because it made me laugh so hard uh, when you told me about it. I was, like, so excited about it. You have a very unique way of prepping your witnesses for trial that you told me. Can you tell me? You talk about dancing with them? Uh huh. No. I am. What do you do? Because I here's so, the thing. I think we have a lot of trial lawyers that listen to this podcast that are. I mean, like some. I don't fucking maybe two. But they. It might be a great treat for them to see what you do. What do you do? So I I don't do this with everyone. I thought it was brilliant. But by the way, I did it for a case where I was trying to help them understand the rhythm of asking a question and then having an appropriate answer and not just talking and doing a whole paragraph long and you know like let it be a back and forth and the flow of it and i wanted them to maintain that even with cross-examination mm -hmm. i didn't want them to be one word answers i didn't want them to be paragraph long answers so i <laughs> um i said you got to do it like a waltz and if you can kind of think of the, the rhythm in your brain as you're talking and let that be that way, sort of focus on that and not focus as much on your stress, just let that, it'll kind of let you know when you've talked too much or you haven't talked enough. And mm -hmm. so I slow danced with them, like with like Walt. Actually physically yes. slow danced with them, yes. like follow my lead. Yeah, and then I would actually, we were talking through it as we were. I think it's fucking brilliant. I'm sorry. I've never heard anything as quirky as that, but I think it, I mean, like when you brought it up to me, I was like, what in the fucking what? And then I was like, that's phenomenal because you also have, I mean, uh, you know, I've got a large contingency of male clients that, uh, you know, if I've got a male opposing counsel on the other side and they've got them on cross and they're going to fucking try and push buttons, mm -hmm. it'll be like, no, look at me, mm -hmm. look at me in the eye. Have my hand in the small of your back now. Go. Yeah. You know. I mean, like it was that. It had, wasn't like it wasn't like it was like the idea. And we even um, we even had one issue where we were worried about uh, a client uh, getting angry, right? And whenever we were like, "Look, just look at us." And uh, Dax, my co-counsel at the time, I said, "Dax is gonna. What color is calming to you?" And he's like, "I don't know, like light blue." And I was like, "Okay, cool." Dax Carolina gonna, blue, bitches. Dax is going to wear a light blue tie. And any time that um, you start feeling nervous, just look at that tie. Mm -hmm. Look at the color. Like, anytime you feel yourself starting to get angry or upset, just concentrate on that color. Like, yeah. let it be a focus point for you to kind of bring you back to, to center. And so, I, if, it, if Those I are a lot of, of it, little trial tricks that are brilliant, by the way. And I think that that makes a big difference between, like... You know, normal trial lawyers that are just like, I mean, I called them the night before and prepped them before the hearing, and brilliant trial lawyers that study I the use craft. Anything that I can find that I think we used uh, in a closing recently, 
Um, do y'all know that kid's game where you've got all the marbles and then it's got um, like, well, it's like pixie sticks and you have to pull the sticks out from under mm-hmm. and then you know whoever pulls it out and all the marbles drop is the one that loses. Yeah. Right? And so you know, as you pull the sticks out, one little marble will fall and then the next one pulls it out and another little marble will fall. And, and I was looking at it and realized that's a great way to tell the story about what all the things, different things they had done wrong before mm-hmm. and all the times they had they could have stopped and so we brought it oh i love I had that to get it through security you know like <laughs> but see like that's um, the thing i um as i said i was talking with rebecca before you got here um <laughs> for a whole like little fucking minutes. little dig i was like take that you fucker yeah. um but i was saying that you are one of the most brilliant trial lawyers uh literally that i've ever met and i know a lot of pretty damn good trial lawyers I, I I mean, I am biased, obviously, because you were one of my favorite people. But sincerely, the things that you've shared with me, I've been like, God damn, like, who thinks of that? You take it to another level. And I think that um, anyone would be extraordinarily lucky to have you as their uh, med malpractice attorney and, and attorney for really anything. So. <laughs> We love you, and we I thank you. you so much for you. coming and spending time with us I love us you, today. too. I'm sorry I'm literally dying and during Rebecca's, all of these great stories. Rebecca's. I cannot wait to listen to the podcast later <laughs> and hear all of the great things that you shared while I was hiding in the hallway so chugging Jim Beam. the next episode, Rebecca will have died from Hep C by the time we're done with this. Just throw it out Whatever there. This is. Pull so your shit you guys, together. Uh, I mean, it's awful. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. so glad you guys are doing this and making this space for people to come and talk like this. It's, um, it's, it's not a lot of opportunities. Yeah, well, it's very, it's important. Um, And thank you so much for coming and spending time with us today. Uh, Sorry, I've been telling y'all off schedule, but I'll make it up to you. No, no, you're fine, honey. I'll make it up to you. You good, girl. Um, Anyway, thank you so much for listening to us today uh, on Lawyers and Libations with Sarah and Rebecca. Listen to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next time. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for Brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.